welcome to Subject to Talent, brought to you by Allegis Global Solutions. Similar to you, we're always trying to learn more. On this podcast, we speak to workforce and talent experts from around the world, covering market trends, technology, and our ever-evolving dynamic industry. Hi, I'm Bruce Morton, the host of Allegis Global Solutions' Subject to Talent podcast. Today, I'll be handing over the microphone to my good friend and colleague, Audrey Woods, Audrey is the Client Executive for Marketplace Diversity, Equity and Inclusion here at Elites Global Solutions in North America. Audrey has significant knowledge and expertise in this area with over 10 years experience in the staffing industry. She'll be joined by Amanda Burke, the head of Getting Hired, a leading platform for diversity, equity and inclusion in the workforce. Similar to AGS, Getting Hired is part of the wider Allegis group. Together, they're going to discuss the significant impacts that DI initiatives have already had on the market and the need to expand efforts to include an intersection of multiple identifiers when serving candidate and organizations. Let's listen in. Hello, everyone. I am Audra Woods. I am the DEI Marketplace Solution Leader at Allegis Global Solutions. Very excited to guest host this Subject to Talent podcast to share with you insights from my colleague and my great friend, Amanda Burke, DNI Game Changer, the head of Getting Hired. A little bit about Getting Hired. Getting Hired's mission is to build and promote inclusive workforce and connect diverse talent to employers who are cultivating accommodating environments. Um, also, Amanda was named 2022 Staffing Industry Analyst diversity, equity, inclusion influencer, and is a fierce leader within DNI. Um, I will say, Amanda, uh, being your battle buddy within this space is not only inspiring, uh, but I'm very excited for you to just share your expertise with our audience today. So Amanda, welcome and thank you for joining us. I am so unbelievably excited to be here today. I'm so excited to have this conversation. You're spot on when it comes to being a battle buddy in this space, being able to talk about how DEI has evolved, how it's evolving in the marketplace, and then why everybody's here today learning about getting hired and sourcing. So super excited about this conversation. Yes, yes, yes. Love it. So um, I do want to just kind of ask you a few questions. So one of the few things with AGS in our Subject to Talent podcast, we always ask everyone the first question. So how did you get into the workforce industry what was your journey? What was Amanda's Berg journey um, from just starting within your career to where you are today? Man, what a great question. And what a an awesome story to be able to talk about and share with people because I feel like I've had a really neat story to be able to get to where I am as the head of getting hired. So, um, you know, I've been in people management for about the last 20 years. Um it's been really exciting to be able to work with different organizations in different capacities where I've been able to manage people, support individuals, have customer service. Um, about 12 years ago, I got into workforce solutions specifically outside of just management. And it kind of happened randomly. Um, I was actually out on short-term disability um, and was knowing that I was looking for another opportunity. And I got a random phone call from a recruiter who said, 
hey, are you interested in maybe doing recruitment? And I had no idea what it was. I thought recruiting was separating bolts into buckets 12 years ago. Um, <laughs> so now, you know, 12 years later, I get to do direct sourcing, FTE, contingent, managed services, you name it. All these really neat things where I get to impact the core of an individual's needs, which is food and shelter. And how do you get that? More often than not, it's through your job. And so I even thought about, you know, throughout my career, it probably starts before you get a job, right? I went back mm -hmm. to like my ACTs. I feel like that's the one you went to to learn, like, what are you going to be when you grow up? And uh, right. I reviewed everything on that you know, just a few years ago when I was interviewing for a couple different jobs. And the three things it told me that I was going to be when I grew up was one, it was going to have a personal impact. So this one-on-one -on -one feeling of being able to impact somebody. Two, there's going to be community involvement, something that has to do with community. And third, employment. So I realized even in high school that I'm the same Amanda or the same person that I've always been in the last 20 years doing the work that I've been doing because it's just ingrained in who I am. I just get a really unique opportunity to be able to utilize all my experiences as well as my own self-identity. You know, that's one thing that's, mm -hmm. that comes up and honestly didn't come up a lot until probably the last five years or so, but how I personally identify in the world. Um, I am a woman mm -hmm. who is black biracial and I have a disability. I have cerebral palsy, but I didn't share that in my previous 20 years of experience with people. Um, I really kept it close to the chest because it was one of those things where in today's society, right, I felt like, oh, am I a burden? Am I something that could be considered weak because I have these intersections of identities, which I know we'll get to later. Um, but mm -hmm. if I share that now, will I be taken seriously in, in the workspace? So, you know, when I think about now being the head of getting hired um, and then looking at what kind of got me here, man, it, it's, it's been a really awesome ride. I mentioned the community involvement too. So before I even got with getting hired, I was a part of nine or 10 or 11 different boards, the American Red Cross, associate boards, naturalization ceremonies, the National Center of Community Justice, um, National Diversity Councils. I was a part of all these different groups, even though my job was more focused in on recruitment because I wanted to see the person and realize that hey, I want to help you find an opportunity no matter who you are. It just so happens I specialized for a long time in engineering. Mm -hmm. um, so that's like, I guess, kind of how I got into the space in general. But I guess if you think about how I got started in getting hired, I am, um, for those of people who don't know, getting hired is part of the Allegis Group companies. And so mm -hmm. in, I guess, what is 2022, we, I was working for an Allegis Group company or 2020, my apologies. I was working for an Allegis company and we were all you know, at home because of the pandemic, right? So um, I didn't know that getting hired existed until around the pandemic because we were at home in front of our computers. I didn't know that Allegis Group had a company like this, but I reached out via LinkedIn to somebody because I knew I had a disability and I was in the workforce space and I wanted to try to bridge those gaps and try to figure out how can I create opportunity and accessibility uh, for different underrepresented groups. So I reached out to them, told them my getting hired, my story of not disclosing that I had a disability until my early to mid thirties and how I wanted to be the change. Um, Cause there was no representation for an individual that says, hi, I have CP or hi, I have insert whatever disability here. And I'm wearing it with pride. And then I mm. didn't know if I could talk about it. If, is it, is it right. illegal? EEOC, you're not supposed to ask me those questions. I'm not supposed to say anything nope. about that. 
no one has representation. I don't know the, the rules and the laws. I hear the word accommodation and I don't know about you, but I think about burden. What's that? I don't mm-hmm. want to be somebody's mm-hmm. burden. I don't, I want to have the opportunity for me to be me and be successful no matter what that might look like. Um, so for me, taking this role was like, I can be the person that I needed, like I mentioned before, representation from a person right. who sees their disability as a strength and not a limitation. Um, I actually call disability variability, um, something that I mm. utilize often, because have you ever dissed something and it been a good thing? We think about mm-hmm. uh, vernacular and the way we use words. And I think sometimes you say disabled, you could also say your car is disabled. I don't want you to, to, to compare me to something like that when you think about disability. So often throughout this podcast, you might hear me say variability. And that's my equivalent of disability because I believe every person, regardless if you're non-disabled or disabled, you do things in varied ways and you need success optimizers in order to be successful. So my very first day with getting hired was July 26th. And the reason why I share that date all the time is because that is the anniversary of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Look at the universe, right? That that was not on purpose. That was not planned. That was just the universe realizing, hey, when you have this experience and you know what you want to do and you have this purpose, I feel like all that stuff starts to align. So my first day Hmm. is the ADA. landmark decision. I don't know if our viewers know what the ADA is, but it was passed in 1990, the Americans with Disabilities Act. It was landmark legislation that prohibits the discrimination of people with disabilities in all areas of public life. That includes jobs, schools, transportation, and all public and private places that are open to the general public. The ADA gives civil rights protections to individuals with disabilities similar to those provided to individuals on the basis of race, color, sex, national origin, age, and religion. So being able to have that be my first day, like getting hired after all the experience that I have, as well as my multidimensional identity, what a gift. What What a gift to be able to be here, to sit here and talk about it. So it's awesome. Amanda, I'm just so taken back. I mean, you one thing one of the first things when we met is that I said this this individual is is probably one of the most authentic individuals I've ever met, right? Like uh-huh. and everything that you just said, I mean, I I heard so many things from how you started, right? I mean, we all like trip and fall into staffing, right? I mean, <laughs> that's kind of <laughs> the same thing that happened to me. Um, but I heard just your passion, the impact, right? And how you were able to go through adversity and and always just be yourself. And and honestly, thinking of this able, uh, and you're right, right? Because when you hear something, you kind of think of, um, I, I really like your term where you said is a variability. Variability, said? yeah. Variability. I love that term, right? Because I love the fact that you are embracing who I am, right? This is me. And anything that I is not going to impact anything as far as how can I be successful. So um, that that you just honestly it was so many mic drops. <laughs> just getting that, started. Uh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, hey, you know, I feel like you said it five or six things that we can literally put on a t shirt. So um, thinking of just all of that and in, in your transition to getting hired, and can you tell us a little bit about just around getting hired, how it got started? 
Um, and, and I know that you've made a lot of impact there. Like I, I've already seen some of the things that you've done. So uh, just definitely tell our listeners uh, a little bit about that. Oh, I would love to. Getting Hired has been around clearly longer than I've been around with the head of Getting Hired. <laughs> um, so this year, actually celebrating um, its 15th year anniversary, which is so exciting. Wow. Yes. Um, and it's our one year anniversary of our kind of rebranding with our expansion from just being focused entirely on disability to now the expansion of the different identities, which we'll definitely get into later as well. Um, So in 2008, it started um, and it actually started off as a video resume company. Think about that 15 years ago, like not a lot of companies are even doing that now, but it started off as a video resume company. Wait, did you say video resume Yes. Company? Wow. Yes. So I, I remember probably about 10 years ago, we used to get some individuals within the tech space that would give us a DVD. Some of our li- listeners who don't know what that might be, a DVD or CD, that had a, a them talking about their resume. And it was more of a video-like, um, interactive type thing. So it wasn't just reading on paper to set yourself apart. And so the thought process was for the individuals who started it, um, the, their financier uh, had a son who had auditory and hearing loss. So there was this layer of personal impact of, hey, my my child isn't able to get opportunities. Well, what if we did a video resume to be able to show them what they are capable of doing, the the value that they bring in the workforce, regardless of what they are, right? In this case, I'm saying more so it was focused in on auditory, uh, but it ended up growing Mm -hmm. beyond that, far beyond that, to where... um, when they first put it up, companies were saying, hey, could there be potential discriminatory practices that could pop up if our company and teams aren't trained and supported? And then we're visually seeing individuals who are in the identity space of having a disability, you know, could there be an, a, a risk here? And so they did a, a very large evolving at that time in the beginning to be able to say, hey, you're right. Instead of just making a video resume website, let's create a network of service providers. Let's have talent be able to register who are maybe a part of, let's say, the Ticket to Work program or have different accommodation needs that they could share if they would like to, to where talent and employers can get resource and support with disability inclusion. And so that's how it started back then in 2008. And essentially, we do very much similar things. We've just expanded since 2008. In 2012, Allegis Group ended up purchasing um, or bringing Getting Hired onto its group. And as you know, Allegis Group is one of the larger, largest uh, workforce solutions groups. Um, so how awesome to be able to say, hey, we're going to get very intentional on making impacts and making sure that underrepresented talent is truly served versus being underserved. Um, how it has been for many, many years, if you look at the statistics, and even still today, if we want to be real, I know you and I live the space all the time, but that's why we're here. The goal is to try to make it even just 1% better uh, based right. upon what organizations are defining as diversity. But going back into the reason why, you know, getting hired started, one in six people globally are 1.3 billion people live with some form of disability. In the U.S., wow, it's one in four or 26%. Some other stats there, 80% of disabilities happen to you over time. Only 20% of disabilities are congenital. My disability, cerebral palsy, congenital, so I was born with mine. But if you think about that, 80%, 
everyone will either temporarily or permanently experience some form of disability in their lifetime. And yet we don't necessarily think about that on the front end. It's the largest minority group worldwide at 70% of our population, 17% of our population having a disability. Even so, per an EUI report that was done earlier this year, only 4% of businesses are focused on making offerings inclusive of disability. To me, hearing that number, 4% of businesses focusing on making things more inclusive of disability really makes me think of two different things. It makes me think of why we expanded in 2022 to focus on the intersection of identity, not just one single part of our multidimensional selves. We now have veterans, we have BIPOC, which is Black Indigenous People of Color. We have LGBTQ plus and advancing women communities, and we're continuing to add those onto our site, www.gettinghired. Um, and we'll talk about mm -hmm. that more later in our conversation. But it also makes me think of the late Judy Human. Uh, Judy just recently passed away this last weekend. If you do not know Judy Human, I strongly suggest you look her up. She is the mother of disability rights and activism. Check out Crip Camp to see how a group of individuals changed accessibility as we know it today. Uh, again, this last weekend she passed away. But my favorite quote from her is, it is no longer acceptable to not have a woman at the table. It is no longer acceptable to not have a person of color at the table. But no one thinks to see if the table mm. is accessible. Getting hired was set up and has continued to evolve to be a place where we are thinking about the accessibility of the table, no matter how you identify. Wow, that's such a powerful quote. And I definitely want to uh, offer my condolences uh, in regards to Judy Human and her passing uh, this past weekend. But one of, one of the data points that you really highlighted was just around the accessibility and the accommodations, right? Because one of the things that, of course, you know that what we hear in the industry um, is how people want to increase their variability talent within their organizations. However, uh, it really goes down to how are you really taking the time to make that investment and spend the money as far as uh, spending the additional money for the infrastructure uh, around a building or spending the additional money investment around the interpreters that may be needed. So uh, that's some really, really interesting topics that you mentioned in there. And uh, one of the things as I do want to transition in regards to how getting hired has really grown to serve an intersection of identity. So one of the terms that we always hear within DNI is intersectionality, right? Um, so can you kind of share a little bit about what is intersectionality? How has getting hired has grown to serve the intersection of identity? Because when I hear you speak to it, it's very, very uh, impactful. So definitely uh, share that with our audience today. Yeah, uh, you actually in your question have a lot of things mm -hmm. I can address there, too. So you talked about the cost of disability mm -hmm. inclusion and um, those investments that clients make. You know, we partner with Jan Job, Job Accommodation nice. Network. The average accommodation is probably around $300. It's not wow. a lot of money at all. But again, what is an accommodation, right? If you think about the money that we invest on coffee machines or we invest in water coolers or different things, those are essentially accommodations. If you kind of think about it, sort of, mm -hmm. people get more access, better access to water or different things that you need to have your success optimized. Um, so you're spot on. It takes more than just saying, where do I go to find someone who has an underrepresented identity? Um, for us, right, inter intersectionality, at least how I would define it in lots of different ways, is the acknowledgement of simultaneous experience of social categories like gender, race, variability or disability, sexual orientation, even generational alignment 
Think about socioeconomic mm. status. All those things interact and can create systems of oppression, domination, and or discrimination. And so oftentimes, if you think about even me, right, I am a woman who is a person of color, a mixed, and I also have a disability. I don't necessarily want to bring all three of those parts to my to, to work every single day, right? I might yeah. just want to be Amanda. And what does that look like? And I also come from a family of a Air Force veteran. Veteran work is so important to mm-hmm. me and military spouses, knowing that 38% are unemployed. At the end of the day, there are so many different things that come together with your identity. You can't stop being you at work. Everything that makes you who you are allows you to be successful. In 2023, it's beyond job descriptions. It's beyond resumes. In 2020, we got sent home. And as I mentioned before, that's one of the largest categories that caused a disability. When you think about long COVID, which is now categorized as a disability, we've, we showed that you can have accessible workspaces and places by having people be in a place where they can optimize their own success because they're in their mm-hmm. homes for the most part, right? Now it truly just comes down to being able to say, what do we want to do to give success to our employees, but even more so, how are we creating options for our employees to want to self-identify and say they need success optimizers? Because if I'm happy, my company's happy, happy, happy as well. There are things that they're going to be able to get because of things I'm getting in return or an individual's getting in return right. because they feel supported. I totally understand. So I do want to transition a little bit just based off of our next topic, because you mentioned as far as bringing yourself to work, right? Um, I'm a military spouse and my, my husband, he just recently exited out of the Air Force. So I saw what that transition looked like for him and uh, what his job search looked like as well. So one of the things um, as far as just the, the key to building a solid DEI workforce plan and what it looks like for the organization or getting a guidance on what a more diverse workforce place can look like for your organization. Um, because Everyone does define diverse talent differently. I, I've learned that they, a lot of people or in the industry, they may focus on what they can see, right? But it's a lot of additional factors that as far as what you can't see, geographic, um, age, there's so many additional things. So can you kind of share a little bit as far as just the, the various factors uh, that can determine the multiple identities? Oh, 100%. And I think you hit the nail on the head when you think about, you know, when clients say, I want diverse talent, Mm -hmm. but what does that even mean? There are so many layers there. Um, I think the diversity, equity, inclusion is almost like an onion. It's very layered, right? You have your own personal experiences on how you navigate the world. You have your close personal circle. You have your department at work. You have your company's perspective of diversity. You have the neighborhood that you grow up, grew up in or the mm. space that you live now. There are so many different factors on how we see diversity that oftentimes when we have these conversations or when I'm with my team or we're working with employers, you don't quite know what that means to them. So that's sometimes the first question. Yeah. Hey, let's define what your talent base looks like right now. Let's get a gauge of where your focus currently is and see where we can help add support or amplify your efforts within diversity, equity, and inclusion recruiting and talent life cycle. Mm-hmm. So for us, we look at sourcing. We're looking at where are you currently creating and nurturing talent pipelines? We're looking at screening. 
with AI and chat GPT and all these really cool things out there, let's think about assistive technology. Talked about accommodations and how much that costs. Some of these things that employers are investing in are stopping individuals with, let's say, a screen reader, reader or additional assistive technology from being able to apply or have access to those opportunities. We're looking at screenings um, inside of the interview process as well. So like, how are you, what are your panels looking like? What kind of words are you using on your job descriptions? Are you saying that you have accommodation statements, that you have a commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, that you have a commitment to accessibility? Are those even words that you have tied in somewhere to be able to say, hey, if you want diverse talent, what do you currently have right now that is reflecting the representation that said diverse talent is seeking to know that if they choose your organization, that you will optimize their success mm -hmm. over the other employer or the, the other person, which in the last few years, I know everybody who has had to hire experienced uh, with unemployment rates being the lowest they had ever been in the last couple of years, right? Um, whenever it gets to that, and it's just job descriptions and resumes, mm -hmm. a person wants to know that a company is investing in them. Do you have ERGs? Do you have BRGs? Do you have benefits that align to my own unique needs, either being in the LGBTQ plus community or wanting to be a parent or being a caregiver because I may have elderly family members or friends that I have to care for? All of these things are so much more important to your individual looking for a job now. And as we all know, everyone is pretty much passively looking for a job at any given time. Mm -hmm. And as an employer, if you realize it's more about how I can optimize the excess of not only my existing talent, but also talent pipelines that are going to come to my website or come to my career portal or come and see the partners that I have to see DEI is going to continue to evolve. The way that we see diversity in the world is going to continue to evolve over the next couple of years, right? Our jobs are going to continue to evolve as being DEI practitioners. Right. Um, but as long as you're aligning with individuals who see that and realize that and keep that thought leadership and that process to say, how do I su successfully optimize all of the talents and skills and competencies that the individuals that are in my workforce have? How do I do that and, and make them truly, truly, truly successful? And a lot of it does come in down to that DEI strategy mm -hmm. that you talked about. Um, and, and how is it being integrated into every single aspect of how a client does business? Um, I know we just now we're talking about sourcing, but there are so many different ways that you can add accessibility on the front end. Mm. No one's thinking about, is the table accessible? Let's think about that on the front end for any identity instead of being reactive and filling a hole or putting a square peg into a triangle, right? right. We really, really want to think about that front end of, of success. And, and you made a lot of good points, right, as you always do. And I think one of the things that um, people or some of the employers forget is the why, is diversity important for your actual company, right? And I think it's important to stay rooted in the why because you always hear, oh, it's the right thing to do. But no, it's, it's the thing that you must do and it's a business imperative. So I do want to share just very quickly just some data. Um, I was actually looking at something in uh, the Harvard Business Review and how diversity is tied to performance. I saw that um, companies that really embrace diversity and really push it from the executive level and it's ingrained within the culture, that 36% of those companies are more profitable. So having a diverse um, 
atmosphere and diverse strategy within your workforce. It, it is tied to performance. It is tied to profit. And it is tied to you being the employer of choice. So, um, but great podcast. I'm going to wrap it up. One final question for you. One of the things that we do like to do within our Subject to Talent podcast is we like to end our episodes just looking a few years into the future. So, Amanda, if you had a crystal ball, where do you see DEI? Let's say within the next five years, what would success look like in comparison to today? Well, a great question, Andra. And I feel like as DEI practitioners, we probably get asked this often. And I wish that there was a way for us to truly see mm-hmm. what it's going to look like in five years. But just like you shared some stats, I'm going to share some mm-hmm. more just to be able to give people an idea that I believe that we are more diverse than we could even imagine. But I think it comes down to living in a world where we have always had kind of binary options. Let's think about the census, 2020. Mm. This was the first time just this last 2020 that they gave people like myself the opportunity to select more than one race, right? So in 2010, we increased over 238% of the amount of individuals who identify as having two or more races. We went from, I think, 8 million to 33.8 million people. Our population only went up 7%. So if our population is only going up 7%, but people are realizing that there is a multidimensional view to their identity, what does that mean for DE&I? What does that mean for the people that are already in their roles working? right? I mentioned before that 26% of individuals in the U.S. have a disability. Only 4% are disclosing at work. Oh, wow. It's about giving people the opportunity to disclose and show their, those, those parts of themselves. In five years, it's about having options, getting away from the binary. If you come to the gettinghired.com website and you sign up as a register, uh, a talent, or you register as talent on our board, We have self-ID options that give you things that you likely have not seen on a career portal before when it comes to your veteran status, when it comes to your gender identity, when it comes to your sexual orientation. And we also have on there those success optimizers I've kind of mentioned a few times, which are our accommodations. So in five years, I believe that we're going to be in a place where organizations are realizing and people are realizing we don't have to have the answers, but we have to have the options so that we can create accessibility for all. Well, there you have it, everyone. Uh, thank you, Amanda Burke, DNI Game Changer, 2022 DNI SIA Influencer. Um, thank you so much for your time and thank you for joining me today. Um, one last thing, what should listeners do if they want to learn more about getting hired? Go to over to our website. Let's go to www.gettinghired.com. We always have awesome webinars going on. We have an action panel series where employers are talking about what they're doing to support, amplify, and empower their underrepresented and underserved talent pipelines and employees. So come check us out, www.gettinghired.com. Awesome. Well, thank you, everyone. And thank you, Amanda. Have a good day. Thank you. You too. Bye, Audra. Bye. To learn more about AGS, please check us out at AllegisGlobalSolutions.com. You can also send questions for me or our guests. Just tweet us here at AllegisGlobal with the hashtag SubjectToTalent or email us at SubjectToTalent at AllegisGlobalSolutions.com. And if you enjoyed our podcast today, please subscribe, rate us, 
and leave a review. Until next time, cheers. <laughs>